0: Father, we thank you for the opportunities that you provide for us to be a witness for you. We thank you how you fill us full of your spirit that we might be able to be those who are overflowing with your love and may that be shed abroad, Lord, in the hearts of those we come in contact with. We ask also that you would bring to us this morning encouragement, encouragement to do the good deeds that you have determined before the earth was created that we should do. And, Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you have given to us and even choosing us, that you have called us to this wonderful thing called salvation and into your church. And help us, Lord, to be those disciples that you want us to be. We'll trust in you for bringing us to full maturity. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, of course, uh, most of you know where I was. I was uh, last week sick uh, because I'd come back, and I'm sure my... um, my white blood cell count was probably down from the trip, and that's, uh, you know, you go on a trip like that, you come back and you're a little bit weakened, but John, let's just go ahead and start with the pictures I'm going to. That's one. We're praying, right? Uh, that's the word. There we go. That's the first one there. Uh, we evangelized that spider, got saved. Uh, now it's in heaven. Uh, this is over in Cambodia. This is a live tarantula that she's holding. By the way, this is Abby. Abby is the daughter, one of four children of one of the directors of Water of Life over in Cambodia, which is Calvary Chapel, Phnom Penh. That's what it is. And so, uh, she speaks three languages, and she is 18 years old. And her parents are doing just a phenomenal job with her. I complimented her on that. I don't know if we have a picture of, uh, Olivia, but Olivia is younger. She is 15, just a tiny little thing. She speaks four languages. And, you know, I've met these girls. I just go, whoa, and you guys, you know that already, and you know that, right, and you know that. So you guys went up to bat and bang last time, right? Yeah, and so that's where I went. Now let's go to the next one. She's unhappy. She's unhappy because we were pulling teeth because they're rotting in their heads. Now I assisted some on the dental this time. And when they open up their mouths, and I'm going to have to explain to you a little bit what to expect when you go there but when you open up their mouths sometimes all of their teeth are down to the gum line there's nothing left and they have to be pulled out and she had a rotten tooth in her head and she didn't want to have it pulled and she just got up and went over and I took a picture of her afterwards and she was expressing her discontent so let's go ahead and go to the next one Now, this is Pastor Hung. Pastor Hung, this is the whole reason why we go. He evangelizes the individuals who are there. Now, the number of people that we saw... Uh, some accounts were 1,055. Another account was 1,200 people that we actually saw during the nine clinics that we went through. And Pastor Hung, they go to the first one. First, they go to triage. And triage is where we get their blood pressure, their age, any medical conditions that they have, what they want to be seen for, whether it's eyeglasses or get some medications or get a tooth pulled. But everybody has to go through the gospel station, and that's the first one. So after Pastor Hung gives them the gospel, then they're able to come over and wait line and i acted as a policeman this time too or as directing who goes where everybody has their job to do and that just happened to be my job so he's giving the gospel here and he speaks both cambodian or Khmer, and he speaks vietnamese as well and so that came in really handy especially when we saw the little kids now let's go ahead and uh, go to the next one this is pastor it was getting late here but you really can't tell uh, because of the camera it was so good and uh, drew is pulling out a tooth of a woman it was proving to be a little bit difficult sometimes you pull those teeth and they break and you have the roots and then you gotta dig yeah, you got to dig those things out. And Drew has gotten pretty good about doing this. This is Kanya also that is helping her. She is the daughter of Pastor Hung, and she's learning how to pull teeth. And I assisted her, and she was getting in there. This one woman, I could see the three roots that had broken off in there, and she took this thing that looked like an ice pick, and she was pulling those things out. And I'm just going, wow, You know, and she's quite good at it. In the background, you have Damaris in Haiti. Uh, those two, they're not twins, but they are sisters, and they come from Mexico City. And then you have Hen, which is the brother of Kanya, who is the son of Pastor Hung. And so they're along with us, and they both speak English, mostly. Uh, they do pretty well. Let's go to the next one. This is the glass station. When you show up, you take a pair of glasses, and you, first you greet them. You always go like this. By the way, Calvary Chapel, what do we do when we greet each other? we hug you don't do that over there you do this like that and when you bow like that depending on where you put your hands is how much they esteem you so if when they walk up we do this sometimes they do this which is the highest of all honors that would be something reserved for the king or from somebody like a, uh, a wise monk over there in the Buddhist religion. Uh, so you'd come up, and you'd grab a pair of glasses, and you would welcome them, and you would uh, give them a little track that's in Kamai and they'd open it up, and they'd look at it, and they'd go like this immediately, because they couldn't see it, right? And so you give them a pair of glasses, and you say, and they go, ja, and that means for women, yes. Or if it's for men, what do they say, Megan? Bat. Bat. They go, ba, like that. So it's ba or ja. Or, and, and if it's not, they, they go, oh, you know, something like that. And you can tell what's going on. And you can say, after that, you try another pair of glasses. If it's not working, you say, mui na la jiang. And that means, is this one better or the last one? And they're usually pointing, and we, as the glass station, we had to be autonomous almost because we didn't necessarily have an interpreter. And so sometimes you had to use them, but that's what we do with the glasses, the eyeglasses. Okay, let's go to the next one. Now, this is the pastor. You can't really see it, but he's missing most of his fingers. He doesn't have fingers here, and his wife was there, and they had a couple of kids, and this man is completely not completely crippled, but pretty much, and he's using these bamboo, one is a bamboo crutch, the other is a bamboo walking stick, and this was typical seeing somebody who is infirmed uh, physically over there, let's go to the next one, and this is a church that we went to, little baby there, you know, showing up, and a lot of times the moms would bring the little kids, we had a lot of little kids on this one, let's go to the next one, she's happy, she's got a She's holding her toothbrush there, and her mom is behind her. And uh, I, you know, I always ask if I can take a picture, and they, they're happy to let us take the pictures. But you can see what we are doing as we go over there as a church. And we've had several go from here, and there's more opportunities that lie ahead for us. Let's go to the next one. My favorite. <laughs> this is platters full of Bugs. There are, now, I don't know if you can see it, not this tray right here, but that tray, the second one up. Those are cockroaches that are three and a half inches to four inches long. They are humongous. And no, I didn't eat one of those. I was not interested. At the very end, you have a pile of tarantulas. Every one of these is either crickets or grasshoppers or cockroaches or whatever it is. And it's like a rest stop. So you pull up to this rest stop and you can, you know, it's like getting some popcorn. You just take that stuff and you put it in a bag and you chew on it and you go down the road. It's like no big deal, right? And so uh, I know some are hoping to eat that. And Megan said this morning, rat. She wants to get rat. When I posted this on Facebook, she goes, oh, lucky! You know, eating the uh, tarantulas. let's go ahead and go to the next one now this is a a little girl she was in the fishing village that we went to and it was very poor and there were cambodians mixed with vietnamese and pastor hung was able to separate the two there's probably 50 children that showed up and he gave them the gospel as well and uh, they're, they're probably her age there are probably at least 20 uh that were there and we would look at them and most of them were without their parents they just came over and they would ask uh, like a tooth or something they had a tooth wrong and pastor hung was able to talk to all of them and give all of them the gospel let's go on to the next one now this was the first station that we went to this is inside of a village right in the middle of a, a little jungle area and they wait for us uh to go through triage triage is down here where the yellow tape is and so we give them numbers Uh, that little girl standing up she has a number in her hand and there's one like 32 right there so we pass out numbers and that's how we keep track of how many people we actually give service to in a particular day let's go to the next one now here's the poor fishing village Uh, this is their church it has no lights no water dirt floor uh, it cost $6,000 to bring the dirt in because it was a flat rice paddy, plus build the building, all for $6,000. And it was a little warmer this day. And the green uh, that they have there is for the medical help. If you see the little tooth that has 13 on it, that means dental. That means they need to have a tooth hold so you have yellow for yellow teeth you have green for green runny nose and you have pink for pink eye is how we do it let's go to the next one we didn't give away too many glasses to those kids now this is a typical um cambodian woman that's her walking stick and and each one of us got one of these scarves uh the men wear it around their neck and sometimes the women wear it over their head pastor hung gave us all one of those scarves and when you guys go you can get one at the uh, russian market by the way let's go to the next one Oh yeah, there it is. Eating the legs of the tarantula. Uh, it was a test. You know, can you do this? And you know, it's, well, you'll just have to experience it. Let's go on to the next one. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's let's go to the, well, first, that's the live one. That's the cooked one. And I'm eating a leg. Uh, I didn't. Kanye would come up and she'd break off the thorax, you know, the bulb on the end of the tarantula, and she'd bite into it and she goes, Oh, that's a good one. No, it's not a good one. Okay, next one. That's all the pictures? Okay. So I want to talk to you about this, about this idea that we go and we give the gospel to those who are out there. It's a tremendous blessing to be able to do so, to go and minister to some of the poorest people in the world. It's difficult to communicate everything and the experiences that we experience on a trip like this, because of the sight, sounds, and smells, they can't be transferred. We cannot bring that to you. You only get like a 1D representation of that, and it's a 3D adventure. Like sight-wise, to the extent the poverty in some areas, uh, it, you look at it and you go, Wow. And there are pockets, little pockets in Mexico where it's kind of similar, but it's still worse over there. And I'm told in Uganda it's even another step uh, that is impoverished. It's another step lower on the rung where we will be going in uh, May. But sound-wise as well, you know, one of the things that we experienced over there, we'd go to the hotels, and then at 5.30 in the morning, you got up whether you wanted to or not, not because the alarm, but because the Buddhist would start chanting in the villages, and you know wherever the Lord is not present, it's loud. It's been my experience. Like for instance, the Muslim religion, what happens five times a day? The call to prayer, and what do they do? They blast it out the megaphones from the minarets that are out there, and the minaret has to be the tallest. Uh, structure inside of any village or any town. And so that's what they do. Five times a day it starts blaring. Over there, the Buddhists, same thing, and chanting the same thing over and over and over. The first place we went to, there's a wedding down the street, and the Buddhists will go to these weddings and they will chant. And it is as loud as you can imagine. You guys can testify to this that have been there before. And it's just incredible the sights and the sounds that are over there and what you get to experience and and then there's the smells there are unique smells over there some that are just overpowering i've talked about this one before you go into the russian market and if it's 100 degrees it is almost stifling in the smells that come out of there because you have fish, live fish in bowls of water and raw meat hanging in there of all kinds and and I kind of avoid that area now I just go to where I want to go to get something but we cannot communicate these types of things to you but just about everything I'm going to explain to you I've explained before maybe not all at once but I want to put it in a package for you so that those who haven't heard this they will understand what we're about and what we're doing and I have a purpose in this a fourfold purpose for those who haven't heard to instruct them how we're to reach out to the world that's number 1 secondly to remind us of the lord's will concerning outreach thirdly to spur everyone on to love and good deeds because this is again what the lord calls us to do and to find our focus as a church concerning this outreach and so what we did We saw the pictures, we bring the gospel, and to define it one more time for you, the pastors, the local pastors are there. Pastor Hung has a good relationship with these pastors in all these villages that we go to. They are the local pastors. Some of the villages are nicer. Some of the villages are not so nice. The one that I said that cost $6,000, the people are living Under a wood structure, sometimes with a hammock, most of the time not. Most of the time it's just boards or it's just sticks or it's just bamboo. And that's where they lay and that's where they sleep. That's their home. And it's open, it is not closed. And they stay there for several months out of the year until it gets to the rainy season. And that's their existence. And the Lord has a special place in his heart for the poor. Not that he doesn't for the rich, but especially for the poor. Psalm 113, verse 7 says, He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and with the princes of their people. He settles the barren woman woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. Pro- Proverbs chapter 22, verse 22 says, Do not exploit the poor because they are poor and do not crush the needy in court, for the Lord will take up their case and will plunder those who plunder them. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that was Jesus Christ, his ministry here. He was anointed to preach the good news to the poor. It doesn't say he was anointed to preach the good news to the rich. It's not that the good news doesn't need to go to the rich. It's that those who are rich in this life, they're usually not, as a general rule, they're usually not receptive to the gospel. I mean, if you come into some money, if you have a little bit extra, do you start feeling a little more secure? Do you start feeling a little more blessed? Uh, Do you start feeling a little more independent? I want, want to tell you a little story here. I just went through this book, The Light and the Glory, it is a fantastic book. Have you read it, Sarah? Yeah, you know, and Michael Medved just came out with another one. It, it deals with the founding of this country and how it all came about and the serendipitous events that took place. And there were so many of them, just, just random events that would take place that you would go, there's... No way could that happen. Like, for instance, in uh, the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln, he was waiting for a sign from God on how to proceed with the battle, and he, he wouldn't do anything. And then it come to pass that two soldiers of the Union Army were in the field, and they happened to look down, and they found some cigars. And what are these cigars doing in this open field? And they took the cigars out. They were looking at them, but there were some rolled up pieces of paper in there. And the rolled up pieces of paper were the complete plans of General Lee, what he was going to do, and it got it back to Abraham Lincoln. And that was what Abraham Lincoln was waiting for, was that particular sign to prepare for the battle. Because of that, the war was won. Little things like that, or Washington, when he was fighting, a lot of times Washington would be out there and he would be fighting these battles and he goes, it's lost, we're not going to make it. And so he would skip out. He, he would go somewhere, but when he would skip out, there'd be like only one exit. He'd have to go over a river. And there's no way that they could do it, even under the cover of a full moon and a clear night. So what happened? A fog came in that you could only see somebody six feet away. He got thousands of men out of the area. And by the time morning came and the sun lifted, everyone was gone. And the British were going, what happened here? I mean, over and over. Washington had four bullet holes in his coat. Went all the way through. He wasn't hit. And he wrote about this to his sister. And, and there are just dozens and dozens and dozens of these examples. For instance, the Puritans, when they come over, we owe a lot to the Puritans, even though they're mischaracterized in Scripture, or not in Scripture, mischaracterized in history. The things that they did. One particular story I will tell you. Um, now, I, uh, on occasion, I listen to talk radio. I'll go through the different people who are on there, like Rush Limbaugh, and he has a thing on Thanksgiving. Rush Limbaugh says, the thing that made Thanksgiving great was when William Bradford divided up the land instead of making it like a commune, and people were able to grow their own food. And because of that, they were able to keep what they had. So they had two plantings. One planting was for the communal well-being. The other planting was you could keep all you wanted. And so the hearts of the people were revived. We get to keep this. This is good. Money, money, money. And the Lord came along and he struck the first planting with a drought. And they didn't get much return. And the second one, the plants were coming up and they were just like wilting on the vine. So the Puritans, they turned to God and said, God, what have we done to deserve this? And they all repented because they felt their hearts were turned towards greed and they repented. They had a day of fasting and humiliation. They turned to the Lord and said, forgive us Lord for this because we're seeing how we can benefit. And after that, even the Indians marveled how there were 14 straight days of rain, just a light rain that watered the ground and these plants revived and they had an overabundance of a harvest it was things like this that the puritans did that sometimes like even rush limbaugh he left that out of the story it's the fact that the puritans were humble before god and every time they tried to have a community here in uh, the new world so to speak it failed miserably if they were after personal gain the only time it succeeded is when they turned to god and they're asking god for help and guidance and so these types of things that take place god's hand is upon the poor he wants to protect them but also on the rich they get the gospel but we know scripture says it is harder for a rich man to enter into heaven than for a camel to fit through an eye of a needle and sometimes commentators try to make this work it doesn't work it means it's impossible but with god all things are possible and so it's our job to fall in line and say Look, we need to reach out to the poor too because they were special in God's sight. And as far as this being rich, Proverbs 13 or excuse me, Proverbs 30 verses 8 and 9 says, "Keep falsehood and lies far from me; give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread; otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, 'Who is the Lord?' or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of the Lord." And Proverbs 11:28 says, "Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf." And so that's just by way of mention in scripture that's why we go to the poor not that we don't go to the rich i went through seminary with a guy bob botsford and he got called to rancho santa fe hallelujah and he doesn't lack anything up in rancho santa fe i mean everything is just like mega to the hilt i go up there and i go ah oh, god bless you for being called to rancho santa fe we're in lakeside lakeside oh where's that you know lakeside yeah and it doesn't matter where we're called it just matters that we are faithful whoever gets called to bring the gospel to whomever comes that that's it and so whether it's the rich or the poor it's just that the poor have a special place in the mind of god so who are the poor in this country let me read you something by a scholar his name is james q wilson the poorest in America today live a better life than all but the richest persons 100 years ago. In 2005, the typical household defined as poor by the government had a car and air conditioner for entertainment. The household had two color televisions, cable, or satellite TV, a DVD player, and a VCR. If there were children, especially boys in the home, the family had a game system such as an Xbox or PlayStation. In the kitchen, the household had a refrigerator, an oven, a stove, a microwave, other household conveniences including a clothes washer, clothes dryer, ceiling fans, a corded phone, and a coffee maker. That's the poorer, by and large, in this country. You go over to Cambodia, you go over to Africa, that's not the case. Not that the poor don't need the gospel here, they do. And we're to focus on that as well. But the God, our God, has a special place for those who are truly poor, that have absolutely nothing, not even shoes on their feet. And in our country, just to give you a few statistics here, life expectancy in the United States of America in 2014, the average age, 79, almost seventy. Or, excuse me, 80 years. We can expect to live that long. Life expectancy in Cambodia in 2014, 63. Life expectancy in Uganda, 54. For every 1,000 live births, infant mortality rate in the United States is six. So six children out of every 1,000 die. Infant mortality rates in Cambodia in 2014, 51. 51. And so you you see the difference here, and that's down from a high of 75 in 2003. And so you can see the difference in the cultures. Now, that's who we ministered to. Now, why did we do this? Because of the Great Commission. I think most of you are familiar with Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Then the Lord Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so we go and we give the gospel, and the local pastors, they come in and they minister to the people in those villages. They are the ones that pick up what we are unable to do. Now, who can do this? Not everyone can go on a trip like this because there is so much that you encounter that you may not be prepared for. For instance, there are fears people have. Fear of what may happen. Fear of getting sick. In the village where we had those 50 kids, you saw those kids sitting there, that was just part of them. We brought them in and you could tell there were nits all through their hair, lice. They were just infested with lice. And we all let each other know, like, be careful. You know, make sure you're checking everything. And, and they are just full of that type of insect there. There's, there are others, but certainly those live in the heads of all the kids because they basically live out in the fields is where they are and they play in the fields and they romp around out there and they work in the fields even the little kids do there's a fear of getting sick with tuberculosis sometimes people show up this particular uh trip i remember abby was talking to a woman and she started coughing and she started coughing right at her and abby's going oh you know like that so we got her a mask and we put a mask on her there's There's always a chance that you could get something like that. The entire team, almost the entire team on this trip got sick in some way, whether it was uh, severe headaches, migraines, uh, colds, um, the diarrhea, the vomiting. uh, That took place. Uh, The guy that was my roommate, uh, I was out for two days. He was out for a total of four but didn't get better until he got back here. We took a prescription of Cipro because we have medication with us, and we were sharing the bathroom and i 'm going, "Are you done yet?" <laughs> you know and they, oh, i'll be right out you know and, and so we 'd have to shift and and you know toilet paper over there is a premium they don 't always have toilet paper. What do they have over there? Do you guys know what they have? You know that little thing on your sink that you pull up and you rinse off your plates with that's what they have and the water is cold Um, and that's what a lot of the people use over there now i don't mean to be too graphic but i don't want to hide what it is when you go over there and you know my uh, roommate sean and myself we got to know each other really well you know it's like there's there's nothing that's hidden in that kind of condition and if you're a real private person well you're going to have to lose that if you go over there because there's really no privacy whatsoever, especially if somebody getting sick. There's a fear of bugs, a fear of flying. And by the way, uh, this one night we went to another city and uh, Sean was in my room and he turned over. He was getting better and uh, I was checking my phone. I was posting some of the pictures on Facebook as it gets late and you guys would just be getting up. And I have my phone on, I, I'm holding it like this, and all of a sudden something flying came right down, and I, you know, I'm shooing it away, then it landed right on my head, you know, and then I'm, I'm moving it off of my head, and then I finally, I, I squish it with my hand, and I throw it on the ground, and I go, oh! Look at the size of that one, you know, and so there are bugs everywhere in this same hotel It It is marble floors in the hallways, and you know they have them all clean. You wake up in the morning and it 's covered like dust with all these gnats and and little insects that are there that That is how the people live over there, and you have them in your room and you can get uh, malaria, you can get dengue fever. Uh, you can have fear of engaging strangers. There can be physical disabilities that may limit somebody, lack of funds, lack of desire, uh, lack of comfort, because you definitely have to give up comfort to go over there. There are disqualifiers for people that go over there, too attitude, self centeredness, lack of maturity, a complainer. We will not take anybody who complains. And if somebody complains, we tell them stop complaining. And, of course, you know, usually goes, well, I'm just stating some facts. No, I'm sorry. It's just complaining. Nobody gets to complain when they go over there. And some people who want to go, we have them uh, fill out a form. And sometimes that form is a disqualifier. They just say, no, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that. On these trips, everybody who goes is going to be tested. It's just not the ministering to others that takes place. It's the shaping of the individual that goes. God intends for those people who go to be shaped. Now, how do you think it is if it's 90 to 100 degrees outside, you are sweating bullets you're uncomfortable you're standing up you're leaning over the people you're trying to smile it's all good there are bugs flying around you're feeling a little hungry then you're feeling a little sick and all these people are showing up counting on you to give them a little bit of assistance and then somebody over here says hey can you bring me that you go stop snapping at me you know and you you start going back and forth like that and you get tested like how patient do you think you really are you know, do you always speak those words which are helpful and beneficial to others and, and zip it, you know, when you shouldn't say anything? And so those types of tests you can count on going through when you go over there. And the love of others, uh, it has to be developed when you go over there. You have to remind yourself why you were there and it's iron sharpening iron in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. That definitely takes place over there. Humility is oftentimes developed. If it's not, sometimes people have to be put on a plane and sent back home because they they just can't get with the program. They're so used to being taken care of, to having things comfortable. Uh, Self-sacrifice, the idea of doing that, it is strengthened. Everyone will discover that they have something that needs to be modified or crucified when they go on a trip like this. And ministering Cross-culturally. To give you an idea, when we went to Ireland once, there are certain things you don't want to say when you go over there. And if your name is Randy, change your name. You don't want to go over there and have your name be Randy and somebody go, hey, Randy, because everybody will start laughing. Because Randy over there means you're amorous. You're looking for somebody to, in the vernacular of our day, hook up with. And so if you say, hey, Randy, everybody's going, oh, you know, they're, oh, I shouldn't be saying that. Or you, you wouldn't say, yeah, I'd like to go to the bathroom. They'd look at you like, oh, so what do you want to take a bath for? You know, the bathroom, it's called the Louvre, you know, and so you want to go to the Louvre. And you don't ask for a napkin because a napkin is something that is meant for women. It is not something that you get at the dinner table. If you're at a dinner table and you say, can I have a napkin, please? They wow. Oh, you're wrecking my head. What are you talking about? You know, and so they, they would get all... upset. So same thing over in Cambodia. There's certain things you don't do over there, and you have to learn how to fit into their culture. You have to become like one of them, like Hudson Taylor going over to China. He completely assimilated into their culture. And so we have to learn these things. Everyone will have to go through an attitude adjustment, and questions would have to be answered in your own mind. Like, for instance, you go over to Cambodia, and you see these monks everywhere. The country is 95% Buddhist. And the monks, they will get up in their garb, and they will go from business to business. And almost every single house is a business They are selling either soda pop or they're selling something they're cooking out front. You you drive down the road and everybody has a business going on. They sell petrol in little uh, Coke bottles that's on the side, and that's for the motos, and motos are everywhere, and you can buy one of those. And so as you're going by and you're seeing all of these stores that are over there, you have to make sure that you don't develop an attitude with the monks because the monks will go to these little places and they'll they'll approach them like this and then the people in the place will go way up here with their hands. They try to honor the monks and you have to give them an offering. And if you don't give them food or money, well, they're not going to pray for you. And if they're not going to pray for you, well, then bad things can happen to you. So it's kind of like a shakedown. They go from place to place and they shake down the people. And it's hard for us. We'd look at that and go, what are you guys? Oh, man, you guys are just up to no good. But that's how they operate over there. And what about those who are truly in need, the deformities? You know, the, uh, on this particular, when you guys were in Bad and Bang, did you go down the river on the other side of the river? You stayed at the President Hotel. Is that where you stayed? So did you go over to the river and walk down the river where all the outdoor vendors were, kind of like a swap meet? Did they have that on the river? Okay, when we were walking down there, we would see, like I saw this one young woman, her limbs were completely shriveled up, maybe six inches long, both her legs and her arms, and she was in a wheelchair. And she had a little uh, bucket in front of her, and she wanted some money because they they have no way to survive. You'd see people without arms, without legs, without legs, uh, their eyes would be, and you, it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. Uh, because here, we tend to sequester the people. Over there, they're just out in the open. And you have to deal with that. And you have to deal with them coming up to you because you're Anglo and you have money and they want some from you. And if you start doing that, guess what happens? You can be overwhelmed people will come. They will put these people in front of the restaurants. They will just stand in front of the restaurants. One of the restaurants we went into, there's a guy who couldn't walk. He was on a mat, and he just had a bowl right there, and he'd look up at you, and he'd want some food. One night, we were coming back from Brooklyn Pizza. You guys went to Brooklyn Pizza, right? And we're walking back towards the Longtie Lee Hotel. Those of you who have been, you're familiar with that. And there was this mother, this young mother, and she had what looked like a contraption a cart a wheelbarrow she had all of her belongings in there and she had one infant and a little toddler and she was going to spend the night underneath the light on the concrete outside she had nothing at all and you think something has to be done for her and this is all throughout the country and uh, one of the members of our crew they did a little something for her but you know it's like you, you how do you remedy something like that? We only can provide a Band-Aid. Uh, you know, the the cold water in the showers, you might have those. Again, the smells, the lice, the disease that are over there, the culture shock when you return. You have a tendency to come back and look at everybody else and say, so what are you doing? How come you're here? You know, you, you ought to be getting up and going. You know, one person I used to like a lot was, uh, and I still do, uh, he is no longer living, was Keith Green. And he came when he was uh, in his ministry. Uh, This goes way back, you know, late 70s, 80s. And he would basically bring condemnation on people who were remaining in the United States. It wasn't who should go, it's who should stay. And we have to battle with that as well. And you might think of yourself more spiritual because you've gone and you've experienced these things and you you have to guard against that you know these people that we go to they are sinners just like us and we need god's grace just like they do so this is what we did and why we did it who can do it when we can do it it's when god opens up a door when god says okay here's an open door you know before we got involved in this i was praying like mad lord open the door for us to go places to do things and he did he opened up this door for us to be able to go. And not just me. Now, I went first and I checked it out. And I'm like, okay, we're not going to lose our lives over there. And even if we do, you know, praise the Lord, we get to go straight to heaven. But it's not that serious. You just have to get out of your comfort zone to be able to go over there. And the Lord wants us to go. How do you know that, Pastor Bill? Because we're going. It's kind of like we can see it in hindsight. He wants us to be a part of that. There's a group going in June. It's going to be Megan. It's going to be Brenda. And it's going to be Eric. Correct? They're going in June. And we're going to be praying for them that the Lord just has a super harvest. Over 550 people accepted the Lord uh, on this last trip. And that's... What we're supposed to be doing is making disciples going and bringing them into the fold of God. Also, it just came up last night. I got a night before last. I got an email. Drew said, hey, there's another trip coming up in October. If somebody is interested in going, we have to know right away if you want to go. And you may not be qualified to go. And we'll just simply tell you. But you know if you're qualified. You know if God is putting it on your heart to go. And if you stay, what are you being? <laughs> You're being disobedient. And now that is not to place a guilt trip on anybody. It's just, well, I feel uncomfortable about this. Should I go forward? Open the door. Walk through, but I might get sick. Yes, you might get sick. I might catch something. Yes, you might catch something. What did Jesus do in order for us to get the gospel? He died, right? What do we have to do in order to give the gospel to those in Cambodia? Maybe get sick. You see the comparison here? It's nothing. It's a minor inconvenience. And again, this is not to put a guilt trip on. It's what God intended for us to do. And this open door in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. This is the church of Philadelphia. He says, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David... What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. What that means is he's provided for us a way and a means in order to go reach those who are out there who need the gospel. Now, I'm going to go ahead here a little bit. Where do we do this? Where do we go out and give the gospel? Well, the Lord tells us in the book of Acts from chapter 1, verse six through chapter eight, that we have Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That means we are to take care of the local area. We are to take care of the areas beyond our church doors and our city that we live in, whether it's another city or another state, and we're to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Cambodia is pretty much uttermost from here right and so is africa and so that's where god wants us to go according to scripture and we want to do everything according to scripture and so if he places that before us we know it's his will all we have to do is walk through the only thing that lacks is our will and we have to be willing we have to say okay i'm going to sacrifice now i do need to say this up until this time everybody that has gone has provided their own financial support or they've asked for some financial support from others who are there the cost of a flight, like right now in October, it's $818, and that's cheap. It has been up to $1,200 for a single flight. When you get over there, you also have to contribute 1000 to $1,100 because that pays for the $2,000 worth of medical stuff that's there. It also buys new dental equipment. It also pays for the translators. It pays for the transportation. It pays for the hotels. And so it can be $2,000 plus to go. And people have been sacrificing out of their own pockets, in order to go. Hopefully in the future, the church will get the vision and we can help relieve some of that where we all participate in sending off people where we support missionaries around the world this is the same type of thing we would support our own people in going out so we are to be a witness not only here locally and we do that with christmas on the main we've been involved in some witnessing i know you've been to parkway plaza right and that's coming up and you get the emails on that correct where you can go and witness if you've never witnessed before it's a great thing it gets you all shaken up on the inside you tell somebody about the gospel of jesus christ right in the middle of parkway plaza we've done it down in mission beach we've done it here christmas on the main in lakeside and so we're trying to cover all of these bases been to the prisons i've been to the prisons a couple of times to talk to people over there we're to write letters we're to visit them whenever we can and the people in that are shut-ins in the uh, convalescent homes you know that's how we're supposed to reach out and at different times we have done this and those people who remain behind that can't go and not every Everybody can go. They can participate in supporting the ministry. Now, at this point, I'm not going to pass bags. We don't pass bags here. If you think you want to support something like this, you just drop it in the guy pay box. I don't want to know who does and who doesn't. That's fine. The Lord can know that. And you can support somebody who is going. You can add to the general funds, so to speak, to make sure that the ministry just keeps on going forward because you believe this is God's desire, this is God's plan for this particular church. Now, a couple of last thoughts on this. Going to a place like Cambodia, it's not a vacation. Some people, you know, when I, they would ask where I'm going, why I'm not going to be here. They say, oh, well, have a nice time on your vacation. <laughs> and I tell them, it's, it's not a vacation. You know, going to Batam bang, what is it, eight hours? <clears throat> you have every suitcase that's filled with all the drugs and all the glasses and all the clothes and all the backpacks, and you're like this. For eight hours, traveling with maybe nine people in a van, and you might have some leg room, you might not have some leg room, and the driving to, you, you can just talk to those who have gone before. The driving over there, sometimes you just have to put your head down and close your eyes. Because the traffic, I mean, Hin, the way Hinn would drive, he'd get inches away from the moto in front of him. And, you know, I am tensing up like this. I think he's going to hit him. And he just keeps on driving. You know, it's no big deal. And the moto's weaving in and out. And you just got to put your head down sometimes. So it's not a vacation. It can be a time of tenseness. You may get sick. You may not get sick. Lord may have mercy on the whole group that goes over there. And here, I I believe it is not good, and I've talked with Patty about this, and she understands my feeling. It's not good that a couple go together. Why? If you have a married couple, and the wife is there and the husband is there, if the wife needs something, who is she going to turn to? Uh, The husband, right? Right? And so the husband has to stop what he's doing, minister to the wife, right? What happens if he doesn't? It's going to be a long trip home. And it is 13 hours, almost 14 hours on that plane going back and forth. And so when you get over in a missionary adventure like that, if you're married, I've seen it where it just kind of disintegrates sometimes. I remember over in Ireland, they're a young couple. They were married for about a year and she was upset about something. I don't know what it was. And he just turned around to me and goes, <laughs> that's all he could do. And I'm going, oh man, you know, and they're going back to the place. And, she, uh, and I've seen this before. And you need to pray for Damaris because her and her husband are going over to Africa. And she's the doctor, and he's the administrator, kind of, that makes all of this happen. And and so, you know, I'm going to be praying for them. It's just not good. Send one or the other, and then you can flip, and you can go. I've told Patty I would send her. You know, but maybe it's not her thing, you know, to do that. She definitely doesn't like bugs. That's one thing she doesn't like. And so it's not a good idea for couples to go. It's probably... Uh, not to be viewed, as, certainly is not to be viewed as a vacation. You can expect to be impacted. It's a double-edged sword. You go over there and your heart can break. If you have the heart of God, you look at them, and God works on us when we're over there. And you look at them and you go, oh, man, how do, how do you relieve the suffering? And we're trying to do some of that over there, especially eternally speaking. But at the same time, it's that double-edged sword Not only do you make headway, spiritually speaking, but the Lord turns that sword on us and he carves out what is not good. And he does that using the other people that are there. And so you have to expect that. Now, just pray that the Lord provides for this international outreach. And I do want to remind you that there is a trip in June. There's one in May to Africa and October Lord willing maybe we'll send some people from here as well so this is my encouragement to you pray and ask the Lord does he want you to go pray and ask the Lord does he want you to give so that somebody else may go maybe you can cover the whole expense the thousand dollars eleven hundred dollars or maybe you can just give ten or five it's up to you what you want to do if there is extra uh, that we have over and above our expenses we're going to be pouring some into that and if the Lord calls you, start praying now. Because you get over there, you can have problems. And you can think, when's it going to end? You know, when you're really sick, you just call out to the Lord and you say, Lord, please, a little relief here? You know, just just a smidgen. Oh, excuse me, i got to get up. And you have to, you know, go use the rest of He's not answering the prayers. And the Lord, I know, He's just sitting there patiently and he's saying don't worry things will be fine you're going to go back to your little comfort zone and the lord will shape you and that's what god wants he wants to shape us he wants to move us forward and unless we take chances not reckless chances but if we just take chances reach out and say god use me we will not grow and god wants us to grow that's my prayer for you that you grow let's pray father we thank you we thank you that you have chosen us here in lakeside to reach out to the world we don't do a lot lord but we do what you have commanded at least that's our goal help us to be obedient in that help us really have your heart when it comes to ministering to the poor to the downtrodden to those who are needy help us to have a heart of humility when we do this help us not to judge others who are unable or who can't go and for those father who just have a resistant heart i pray that you would get a hold of it that you would cup it that you would let them know your will and father as we wait patiently for your direction and your guidance through the action of your holy spirit we pray that you would help us to be patient in these endeavors Protect us as we seek to follow you uh, according to your will, Lord. And may we impact a generation of people over in Cambodia or Africa or wherever you send us so that they might also be a part of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.